Hey, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hey, my name is Michael Van Wardhuizen. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer. Uh, you've heard a more about me than uh, what maybe would normally be spoken of of some random guy who you're going to listen to or not so random guy, but there's, there's a lot going on in my life right now that uh, some of you care a lot about, some of you don't know anything about, but you're going to hear about it one way or the other. So uh, um, as Daniel already said, uh, we're, we're gearing up, and so I just want to take a moment uh, and just share a little bit more about what's going on with us. So uh, for those of you who don't know, like I said, I'm Michael. I'm married to Allie. And she's actually not here right now um, because when you have little kids, sometimes they get the sniffles. And during COVID season, sniffles are the plague. And so, um, yeah, she's at home with our three kids, uh, the third of which was born five weeks ago. Her name's Frances. She's awesome. Everybody's doing great. But, but what we're doing is we're gearing up to move to Denver, Colorado to plant a church which is essentially to say we're going to go somewhere where nobody gives a rip about us or what we're doing and start something that they don't want to be a part of. This is really what we're doing. So, <laughs> sweet, right? <laughs> um, and there's a lot to be said, but, but what I want to share with you is just simply that today we're talking about God's might in Isaiah 40. Uh, God's might and how that makes invincible joy our, re- our possibility and our reality, but God's might is the theme of Allie and I's lives, especially over the last five years as we've gotten ready to plant this church. And, and there's hundreds of hours of stories to share with you of God's might. But, but as somebody, somebody prayed in the back room before service this morning, without God's spirit, without God's might, Britta's just playing a guitar and we're singing, and there are people doing it a thousand times better elsewhere in stadiums, not during COVID, but before and maybe after. But it's just, it's just singing and playing guitar without God's might. Without God's might, I'm just up here blabbering, thinking I'm self-important. That's probably still happening, but hopefully God's might shows up as well and does something better than that. And so without God's might, we're just going to move across the country and start something that nobody cares about and that nobody's going to want to be a part of because we're, in, we're basically invading their space with the gospel. And without God's might, we're just a nuisance to them. But with God's might, it might be life-altering. And, and I just want to encourage you to, to come to our vision nights because then you get to hear more and, and maybe even say, hey, Michael, I want to hear the hundreds of hours of stories condensed down to maybe one hour of just stories. And I would love to share more about that and, and share all kinds of life with you um, sometime in the next maybe five weeks because we don't know our exact move date. But at this point, we potentially have five Sundays left at Redeemer Church, uh, which makes me feel many things, many, many things. And sad is the loudest. Um, And so uh, I'd love to share more with you. But with that, come to our vision nights, put it in your calendar. We'll live stream it, but if you're here, then I think you could come to a vision night too. So um, let me pray, and we'll get into this passage in Isaiah. Jesus, we praise you and we thank you for our time here this morning. I ask that you would be made much of in this passage, that uh, your might would be on display, and that we would see you as you, as God, and we would see ourselves as ourselves, as humans, and that there's a difference, and yet you've done something about that difference. So God, we praise you. We love you. Amen. 
So, Isaiah chapter 40, invincible joy, that's what we're talking about. Um, And today, God's might, God is mighty, He is powerful, He is strong. So the question that's been asked in this passage is the question that I'll ask of you, and that is, to whom will you liken God? What's He like to you? How do you see God? Like literally, if I could force you, I would, but I can't clearly do that. I'd force you to close your eyes and just picture the thing that is God in your mind. And for me, if I'm being completely honest, usually it's the Simpsons caricature of God where it's mostly like from the knees down, big legs, and he sounds oddly like most of the other characters in the Simpsons. Just louder, right? Um, Or I think about it in other ways, like you've got all the variations of Jesus. You've got White Jesus, black Jesus, hippie Jesus, militant Jesus, Republican Jesus, Democrat Jesus. All of those varietals of Jesus that you can maybe pick from. You've also got old man God, who's just a kind old Santa Claus. You've got a tyrant God, who is heavy-handed and a cruel master. Maybe you feel that pretty strongly this morning. And then you've got this other version that we might call a cold reptilian God. There's just nothing delightful about him. And he seems distant. seems calculated. So how do you see God? And the real question that this text is trying to display to us is, is he a God worth waiting for? Is the God in your mind, the God that you worship on the daily, the God that you picture him to be, is he a God worth waiting for or not? Well, our passage says that he is. Let's just say that. And that's one of the reasons why we go to the Bible as our authority because the Bible tells us, the Bible tells me so. (laughs) As my son Axel likes to sing. He doesn't like it. He likes to sing other things other than that. But the Bible tells us who God is and what he is like. Like if you're studying the Bible, you could answer simple questions, but one of the primaries you should be asking is who is God and what has he done? What is he like? And it will say so in here. And what we see in our passage today is that he is like no other, that the Holy One of Israel is incomparable in his power, wisdom, immensity, sovereignty, and authority. All of that. So that whole first chunk of our our passage today is just breaking it down, that he can hold all things in his hand. It's as if that is true, like imagine Simpsons God, but way bigger, and he can hold everything in the palm of his hand, as verse 12 says, that he's wise beyond compare. In verse 14, it says, whom did he, God, consult, and Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Who? It's definitely not me. Is it you? Who taught him? And it also says that the people of the earth are as nothing in comparison to him. Like, there's a lot going on there, but some of the context even for Old Testament Israel is that they would look to the nations as either fearful enemies or as their way out from their fearful enemies. And God's saying, they are as nothing 
in comparison to me? Why would you go to them? Why would you fear them? And he calls humans grasshoppers in comparison. Do you pay attention to grasshoppers? Only when they jump into your face. Now, God pays attention. That's not what I'm saying. But they are small in comparison to God. Small. So why fear? Why worry? He's sovereign over all the kings, all the rulers, and all of the things. And what that describes, simply put, is that he is God. He's got it. God's got it. Right? Like, if he's God, then he has control and power, and he's a ruler, and he's a good ruler, right? Like, this is what we're seeing, that God is like no other. And so, all of these imaginations that we have of what God is like, they might have some grains of truth here and there, but we need to see that they're, they're skewed. They're just skewed. So it's off. It's a little bit off. To see God as the Monty Python God. Who here has seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail? Right? Okay. Sinners. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It makes a mockery of many things, including God. So maybe you shouldn't have watched it. But but he's not great in that. It's a little off. And there's a lot of reasons why, but we'll get into that later. So our passage shows us what God is like and what it's trying to show us, what Isaiah is showing us, what God is showing us through Isaiah is that he is like no other, that he is a God worth waiting for. He says this to Israel, he says that to us. Now the next question for us then is, how do you see yourself, right? Okay, so my favorite way yet again to study the Bible in a simple reproducible way is asking four questions, who is God and what has he done Therefore, if that is true, who are you and what do you do? Now, that's in light of who God is and what he's done. But before that, we have our own perception of ourselves. How do you see yourself Monday morning? How do you see yourself Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday night or Friday or Saturday night? How do you see yourself? Well, there's a simple truth of what's real and true is that you're a human base right there. You're human. What does it mean to be human? Many things, but one of the primary things is that it means that you're needy. You guys are just a bunch of needy people like me. We're dependent. You don't have it all under control. You need to eat. I need to sleep. I need to breathe. And I need to be sustained. And we're made to display the glory of God, to worship Him, like that's what this is all about. There's a relationship here to delight in Him. That's what it means to be human. And, and oftentimes, we can get confused, especially in Christian circles, even outside of Christian circles, that, that what it means to be human, even to believe in God and be human, is that we are here simply to do God's bidding. Now, there's truth in that, but where that goes is that we start seeing ourselves as slaves to a master and that that's why God made us. God did not make you because he needed slaves. He did not. His Bible tells me so. God did not make us because he needed slaves. Acts 17, 25 says this, referring to God, that nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, 
since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Who gives what? God gives life and breath and everything. God did not make you for that. And yet we're still weak. We're still made from dust. So what's the call of the human? It's to be human. It's to be dependent. It's to be weak. And in weakness is how you do work. In weakness is how you operate. When you know who you are, then you can do the things you're made to do. Right? Like this is, this is a formula. This, then this, then this. But let me just show it to you again in another passage in Scripture. 2 Chronicles. Not every day we go to 2 Chronicles. But we're going there. 2 Chronicles 26 says this in verse 15, referring to King Uzziah. In Jerusalem, he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and great stones. This is referring to, of course, like battles that they were fighting and whatnot. He's great. And his fame spread, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And when I got there, I literally took a pencil and I went and circled that really hard. And then it continues in the next paragraph. It says, but when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. And what I did is I went and I circled it and I wrote, stay weak. Now that's not because I'm smart, but that's because what God is saying here is that this king was flourishing in weakness. God was doing crazy things through this weak king, but then all of a sudden he's like, wait a second, I've got this. I can be strong. I've got those cool things we just invented to fight our enemies. And when he became strong, he became proud. And when he became proud, he fell. So the sweet spot of humanity is being weak. That's what I'm trying to say. See it all over the Bible. You can see it in our, in our history books. You can see it many, many places, especially in the history of the church. But there's this other flip side of being weak that we associate primarily with weakness, which is the curse side of weakness, in that Adam, through Adam, we have come to a place where uh, we have sin, right? Like we have sin in our hearts. We have sins that we commit, every single one of us. And one of the ways that we see this is that we've just stopped being human and we've tried to be God. We've tried to be God. How have you tried to be God this week? How have I tried to be God this week? My oh my, do I love to micromanage the universe around me. My oh my, do I not like failure or confessing my failure to somebody else to the one whom I failed. My oh my, do I not like it when I completely turn my back on God in a moment because of weakness, of flesh. And one of the things that we see in our passage today is that this weakness, this sin, shows up in a particular way of misunderstanding God and who he is, right? Who is God? Well, we see him as mighty in this passage, but one of the things that happens to us on a 